Welcome to the Deconstructed Woman Podcast, a podcast about breaking down barriers between women, exploring and sharing perspectives of each individual woman's experience, and discovering what we have in common and what makes us different. Hosted by Elisa Marie and Joji. This episode contains content that may be triggering to some listeners. We discuss the connection between shame and traumatic events such as domestic violence, miscarriage, and abuse. Listener discretion is advised. If you find yourself in any of these situations, please get the help you need. Welcome back, everyone. This is Joji and Alyssa Marie, and today we are talking about a heavy topic, an emotional topic, which is women and our experience of shame, and to some extent, how guilt plays into that. Um, I was struck by this topic because I had a recent interaction with a colleague of mine that talked about a situation that clearly presented with a lot of shame. And in my own mind, I was thinking about you know, why am I just hearing about this now? Like so much time has passed and um, why is this being brought up now? Like I could have been a support, I could have helped, I could have offered, you know, X, Y, Z, but the person didn't feel safe enough to talk to me about it um, some time ago when it happened. And so it just got me thinking about it. And I was talking to Alyssa and feeling I don't know, bad that I wasn't reached out to, but then at the same time wanting to respect another person's privacy and didn't really talk about that or bring it up because it clearly is still something that is weighing on their mind. And so I thought it would be a good topic because it is a heavy topic in terms of what us women uh, tend to experience in multitudes of. I mean, I think women and shame, it's something that I feel is so synonymous with um, just the experience of being a woman. And so hopefully I'm not being too negative. I don't mean it that way. I think it's just speaking the truth that a lot of women feel shame and a lot of things in our life reinforce that belief about shame. I'm going to now turn it over to Alyssa and talk to her and ask her about her thoughts about uh, shame. Yeah, I think that there is a lot of like, so we are kind of talking about a couple of different topics. And one of the ones that had come up was like, um, instances of, um, you know, domestic violence, um, you know, losses, uh, miscarriages, I mean, and again, kind of, these are these are things that are really hard to talk about. And I think that when those things happen, um, I think that the so I'm going to go back a little bit because I'm going to focus on the first one. So with domestic violence specifically, I think that some of our conversation was about the fact that, you know, I have learned over time that within a marriage or relationship, if you tell everybody your business and air out your dirty laundry, if you will, uh, it tends to taint how people view you and it tends to taint how they view your partner. And I think that that sometimes can backfire. And so I was talking about the the way that I understand it is that sometimes people don't speak out because of the fact that they're afraid that that's going to 
you know, somehow distorts the view of their partner. Maybe it was a particularly difficult time. They're going through a particular different, difficult struggle, if you will. And, you know, emotions were high and uh, a situation occurred. And this is not to minimize it or to kind of speak down to the severity of domestic violence situations, but I think that there's a spectrum of them. And so I'm talking about like the least, you know, maybe least violent types of situations, but instances where people are like, you know, we had this situation, but I don't want to talk to anybody about it because I don't want them to judge me. I feel shame. I feel guilt. Uh, all of the feelings that come out of that. And so you kind of learn over time to be quiet about that, to not express it because of the fear of how people may judge you or judge your partner. Because let's say you're able to work through that, maybe you go to counseling or maybe you're, you know, it's just, again, one of those instances that never occurs again in the history of the relationship. I think that if you bring people in and they have that changed view of that person, then when you hang out, say, a couple months to even a year later, they're still holding on to that because they're, they're they see that person, and that might have been just a snapshot of what the situation was. So that was one example of like how I understand why that happens. I think that there is a lot of shame that comes with that, but also the concern about how is this going to change my friend's relationship with my partner, for example. So I don't know if that makes sense, Joji, but I, I think that's like kind of like the how I view that particular situation. Yeah, I mean, I definitely know that, you know, given our society, that domestic violence is such a hot button issue that if a friend reveals that some altercation happened or something and you jump to some conclusions, it's really hard to unhear that, right? I mean, then I do feel like when you see the partner again, you're always sort of suspicious or, you know, there's a certain judgment that goes along with this person. Um, truthfully, in my life, I've actually had a different experience where I've had friends of mine who have, for one reason or another, stayed in a relationship uh, that was abusive. Uh, you know, two situations where there were there was physical abuse. And I got to the point in my friendship with these uh, people to say, you know, I can't bear to be a part of this. Like, you can't call me when something goes wrong and then expect me not to ask you to, to, to take some safety, to leave the situation. Like, if you want to remain in that situation for whatever reason you believe, then I can't be a part of that. Like, do not call me and tell me how terrible this is, but then refuse to leave. That's not, just not something I can be party to. That's actually the conversation I've had more with my friends who have been in that. And I think they had rationalizations for why they wanted to be stay in that relationship. Um, and to be honest with you, I'd never felt that they were justified because these were women who were educated, women who were financially independent, women who were independent and um, could walk away and be okay, but um, lots of rationalizations about, you know, why they should stay. So I understand your point in terms of sometimes you jump the gun or if you're early in a relationship or you're immature or you're naive maybe, um, or you just don't know how it's going to land with somebody because it might trigger them from a past experience. And so sometimes, you know, it is difficult to put your partner in a bad light when it really wasn't intended to be 
expressed that way. So I, I, if that's what you meant, I definitely understand that, you know, for sure. One of the things that I wanted to share with our listeners, and I think I mentioned this to you, um, you know, as right before we started recording, is that I did some research into shame just because I wanted to be able to understand a little bit more because you had said that there was a connection between shame and guilt. And maybe that would make for like a um, interesting pairing. And I thought about that and I was like, oh, you know, what is the difference between shame and guilt? And you're very familiar with this uh, researcher. Um, I can't say that I know a lot about this work. Do you want to talk about uh, Brené Brown or do you want me to, to share what I learned? Um, well, I think I, I will hand it back over just because I know that you recently watched, um, I think you said one of her TED Talks. I had actually um, on uh, in a different conversation talked about like the different types of friends, um, which I think plays a little bit into this, uh, because it was talking about like, you know, different types of friends, uh, elicit certain things like shame and things like that. And it kind of goes back. So it's a separate conversation, but I want to focus on the shame and guilt piece. So, um, I think you were able to like kind of grasp like the differences between the two. So I'll hand that back over, but again, maybe come full circle at some point, because I think that my, I, I watched her special on Netflix and then I read, um, one of her books as well, but I think she's, she's great about, she's, a you know, talks about shame and guilt a lot, but then expands it out to a lot of different other topics as well. Right. So, um, in her Ted talk, and it was a very short video. It was like two minutes long at the most. Um, the excerpt that I saw was really her focusing on shame and guilt. And so this is Dr. Brené Brown, and she's done many, many years of research around the issue of shame. And the way that she distinguishes between shame and guilt is that shame is a focus on yourself. Um, and that guilt is a focus on a behavior. So shame is, I am bad. And guilt is, I did something bad. And what she went on to say is that, you know, shame grows by uh, three specific variables. And that is, um, it is secrecy, silence, and judgment. And so uh, that those things are the ones that really, you know, continue to uh, sort of exacerbate the feelings of shame. And not too long ago, we talked about the um, suffering in silence and how women don't necessarily talk to each other when there is a, you know, when there's a feeling of, um, you know, something like they're embarrassed about something and they don't want to talk about it or, you know, being overwhelmed and wondering why are we overwhelmed or, you know, just whatever it is. And so when she said that, that really clicked with me because if there is secrecy and silence is a form of secrecy, then there's also a sign that you're judging yourself for a certain, you know, something that is happening, which is that reinforcing that shame behavior. And so then that guilt is really about, you know, a behavior that we did that's tied to, um, you know, judging ourselves for an action and to be able to really see that. I There are times when I was thinking about this, I said, man, they're just like splitting hairs. Are they really that different? But, and so I'm having a hard time thinking about an example where share and guilt are involved at the same time. Um, and I don't know if that's as important, but you had linked them together when you had said, I thought that was a good pairing. So I would be curious to hear, you know, why you thought that they go sort of hand in hand, because I am having a little bit of a hard time understanding the, you know, like 
like they might be two, you know, two sides of the same coin. Um, and so I would be curious to hear, you know, sort of how you came about putting those two together. Yeah, I don't think that I like, <laughs> I think sometimes I kind of like just kind of put it out there. And so I don't think that I necessarily, I don't see them as necessarily two different things. But I think how I view it is like, you know, you have this shame feeling like, um, you know, and I'm, I'm probably going to like, mix the two because I'm, I'm also, I don't have a great example of it, but I think that a lot of times like that shame turns into guilt or like it, it, they perpetuate each other is kind of how I see it. It's like, there's kind of this like perpetual cycle of, you know, you're dealing with shame and, and, and guilt, both are different, you know, they're different, but similar. And those result in that, like you were talking about, like that silence or, judgment or those sorts of things. And so I think that I'm trying to use, I'm trying to view it from Brene Brown's perspective that they are different. Um, and like, you know, one is about the behavior and one is about how you feel internally. But I think that I might muddy the waters if I continually try to, you know, piece them apart. I think that they're, you know, very similar in that these are reasons why people stay quiet. These are reasons why people do things that they know they shouldn't do, why people stay in relationships that they know they shouldn't get out of, or that they should get out of, I should say. And so I think that, you know, they are reasons why we sometimes stay stuck. And I think that's more like a global way of looking at it. And I think that that's something that kind of needs to be taken apart and looked at and said, you know, okay, this does happen. I think that everybody has had some experience that has led them to feel either shame or guilt. And I think that, you know, really the purpose of this discussion is to say, you know, there are supports out there. There are people out there who are willing to help you when you're in those situations that you don't have to be silent. So again, we're kind of, this is like a continuation of that suffering and silence episode because we're talking about slightly different topics, but that same concept of not just holding on to it, not just living in that, but being able to reach out to others too. Yeah. And I will say that um, as I was looking at different articles, the one thing I also saw was this idea about the fact that, you know, shame is also in, in cultures where there are limited voice for women, or if there's some kind of oppression or women have a lesser role in a culture, that there is also this association that um, automatically goes with like abuse or rape or some kind of victimization that, you know, the woman brought this on upon herself, that she provoked that she, she, you know, she, the way she dressed, the way she spoke. And, you know, we've, there's been movies about that. And they talk about the, the re-victimization of women who are, you know, testifying against their, their rapist and things like that. And I do think that it's unfortunate. It is a reality in our society where we, the, you know, that the blame, you blame the victim kind of a mentality. But I also understand that in cultures where women are um, looked down upon or they are seen as being second class citizens, that there is this general belief that the woman is, you know, always left holding the bag for all these behaviors that um, men have perpetrated 
traded against that. And I think that's the other thing that sort of made me realize that, you know, how do we as a group of women support each other and uh, reinforce the truth of the matter, that regardless of if a woman, um, you know, did anything or, I mean, if you're looking to blame someone, anything they do is going to be cause to blame. And so I feel like if you want, if that's your goal, you'll get there regardless of what has happened or not happened. And so it also made me realize that, you know, from sort of the onset, women are in a difficult position to be able to speak out and to um, to be able to garner support when they need it, because there is going to be always that part that you're afraid that somebody's going to blame you. And I've been in that situation myself where I haven't wanted to reveal certain things because I was afraid that it would come back to me. Like, well, why did you do that? Why did, you know, why didn't you do X or Y? Why did you do this? And it's like, I don't want to defend myself. You know, that's not what I need. I need somebody to say, it's okay. You know, you're not in the wrong here, but I was always not you know, trusting that that's the way it would turn out. And I didn't want to be the person that everybody turned to and said, there's something wrong, you know, with what you did or how you behaved. And so I do feel like it is a very complex sort of, you know, cycle in terms of what happens, because as you were saying, when you were talking about the connection between shame and guilt, I thought to myself, well, you know, if we you know, if a woman stays in a relationship, whether it is, you know, domestic or sexual abuse, and then they choose not to leave, then it's possible that society turns to them and says, well, why didn't you leave? You know, I mean, you could have left. And then that's the behavior of not leaving, which is just reinforcing sort of the shame of, you know, well, do they really have a choice or, you know, and there's so much data out there that women are victimized or even more, you know, um, hurt because they are trying to get out, right? That's like the most dangerous time for a woman is when they're trying to leave. And so it, it is such a complicated, you know, situation. It's a complicated uh, dilemma for the woman and um, obviously even more so if there are children involved. And so I think really the conversation I was trying to have was to sort of bring some light to it to say to our listeners that really it's about women empowering women. And one of the things that um, Brene Brown really stresses is the fact that what dis what extinguishes shame is um, empathy. And that if we can relate to each other as women and we can make the person feels safe because like I was talking to this individual, I had no idea this conversation was going to happen. You know, we were just having a very light conversation and then this happened, the conversation developed and I was like, wow, I mean, I did not expect that to happen. And I guess I've always thought of myself or prided myself in wanting to create a safe space where any woman, uh, any person could talk to me and, and share with me, knowing that I would always be there to help them, whether I knew them really well or if I didn't know them. And I think that that's what really probably gave me more pause was why didn't this person know that I would be there to help them? And so I think, how do we do that, Alyssa? How do we um, tell the women in our lives and the listeners that we're reaching, you know, that 
talk to somebody, you know, share, share that secret because only with sharing that secret can there be an opportunity for you to get help and for you to relieve that burden that you're carrying. Um, uh, I, I know it's not simple to do, but what are your thoughts about that? I think it's really hard to know in those particular situations who to turn to because I think we talked just briefly, so I'm going to give like my own example. Um, and uh, so I had complications with my last pregnancy and had at one point thought we had a miscarriage. Um, and I reached out to some of my friends who I knew had gone through that um, experience and it was very scary at the time. And, and I ch- I cho- chose the people that I did very carefully. Like, I didn't want to let a lot of people know. I didn't want to talk to a lot of people about it. And then, um, you know, kind of had that experience with them. And, and it was interesting because a couple of people, like, I triggered them. And it was a bad experience. And I was like, okay, like, that didn't go the way that I thought it would. Like, I was looking for support. And what I got is I actually felt guilty for triggering them because they were like, oh, you know, that was so hard for me. And like, you could, you could just tell that they were going back into it. And I was like, I'm really sorry. Like I I'm, I'm trying to find support right now. Like I'm struggling. I don't know where to turn. And so that like really, it was really difficult to know who is going to be the person that you can turn to. That's not going to be triggered by what you're saying, or is not going to, um, maybe, you know, have that opposite of like, oh, get over it. Like that, that also. So I think it goes back to what you're saying. Like the, the solution or the key is like empathy. And I was looking for that. And then as I progressed, um, it ended up that my, you know, the pregnancy was, um, okay. There was just like kind of a, a situation where we thought we had a miscarriage, but we didn't. Um, and there was a lot of medical complications and all of that. Um, but needless to say, like after that, then I was like, well, now I don't know who to turn to again, because some of these people think I'm going through their same path, like traveling alongside them, but I didn't. Now I'm having a baby and what is that going to bring up for them again? And so again, I, I actually just decided to talk to no one, um, because it just, I felt so much guilt and I, I feel shameful that I, I was like, unlike them who had had miscarriages and weren't able to have conceive a child, I was able to, and it, it really was such like, I don't know who to turn to now. So I'm going to turn to nobody because I'm just going to like go through this in silence. And then obviously at some point, like people found out that I was pregnant because I got further along and then people got angry and were like, why didn't you tell us? Like, we wanted to be there for you. And I was like, because I felt guilty that I didn't, that I didn't have the same path as you. I thought I was going down that path and then it veered in a different direction. And I felt too much guilt to want to bring you back into my situation. So I think that the solution is to be able to, one, recognize that, yes, empathy is the way to go, but you also are looking at the people in front of you, your friends, your family, and, and deciding who are you, who do you feel safe enough to express that to? But, you know, I think that the first step is identifying that person and then actually having that conversation and being like, okay, regardless of what the outcome may be, 
I need support. I need somebody to walk with me alongside in this situation, even if it's going to be a hard conversation. I eventually called each of those people and like had one-on-one conversations because it was just, it was weighing so heavily on me, but it was probably like a good six months later. And again, a lot of them were like, why didn't you tell us? Like what, you know, why, why did you keep this a secret? And I was like, because I just didn't know who to turn to. So I don't know if that necessarily answers it, but I think that that from my perspective is a situation where it's hard to reach out to people for so many reasons, shame and guilt being some of them, but also because you may not know who to turn to. And like you were saying before, you don't know who's going to respond positively with empathy and who's going to maybe not. And I think that that all plays into the the conversations that need to be had, but also, you know, you have to kind of think about like, who's going to be the best fit. And sometimes there's nobody. And I think that that's sometimes why Facebook groups are great and social media is great because then you can just put an anonymous post and get support in a way that you probably couldn't do, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I I think that there's ways to get the support in other forms, but I think that at the end of the day, it is good to have people in your court that are close by that can walk with you alongside. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, when you're when your friends are uh, your own age, I mean, you and I are both uh, have said many times on our podcast that both of us have friends that are, you know, 15 to 20 years older than we are. And I think that's a great resource for us, too, because a lot of that stuff has, you know, that has they have that experience and it's in the rearview mirror. I think part of the challenge is, is that when Um, And of course, we're going to relate to people our own age. And when you're going through something like that, something so emotional, like um, that situation you described, you know, I guess that is a time where you never know where are they in their um, acceptance of that situation. And so it, it, yeah, I could see that that was, uh, that would be awkward because you also don't want to be celebrating your pregnancy when they've had a loss. And so it's just an awkward situation all the way around. I really hope for you, because I mean, I, anybody that knows you, I feel I can say, you know, you don't really have a mean phone in your body. I mean, you would never intentionally do something to hurt someone. And hopefully that they, through it all, they, you know, you were able to come out the other side and that people understood that your intention was really, you know, from a good place, not from a bad place. But I can also uh, understand that it was, I mean, any way you did it, it probably wouldn't have been right. Um, It's a hard situation to know what is the right way to make everybody feel okay about that conversation, because everybody's also in a different place about that. And so I, yeah, I, I just feel like that that was a tough situation, Alyssa. That's hopefully uh, people have understood and moved on um, with that. Um, but boy, that's a tough one for sure. For sure. Um, do you think that there is anything more that uh, you want to say about this conversation in terms of shame and guilt and where we are with it and where we're ending? I mean, it's it's a complex topic. I'm sure it'll come up again in the future. But in terms of sort of wrapping this conversation up, Do you have any final thoughts? I think for me, you know, it's kind of interesting because I think that our conversations kind of evolve 
and uh, you know, we kind of have this starting point and then we come to the end point. And I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing is we always kind of offer up this open dialogue. Like this is just the start of a conversation. And so I, I always welcome our listeners to let us know, you know, uh, we're trying to maneuver through. I think this is a more difficult conversation to have. And I think that we were touching on some like pretty, like you said, really at the beginning, like really hard and kind of somber topics. But I think that that's the point is that we are trying to kind of shed light on these things and also elicit some conversation about them. I think that these are trigger points, you know, we probably have to put a disclaimer on here um, because a lot of times people are very triggered by topics of domestic violence and miscarriage and like, you know, infertility, all the things that you can think of that are difficult to talk about. But the purpose of this is to say, these are hard, but also like you have people hopefully in your life that you can turn to, that you can say, okay, this is hard, but I don't want to do this alone. And I think that that's the point is that the shame and guilt should not stop you from doing that. They should propel you to hopefully reach out and say, even in light of this, I'm going to try to get the support that I need. And, you know, there's a lot of different hotlines and a lot of different resources out there. And and we would take up so much time, but I, I do, maybe we'll list some in the show notes or things like that. But, you know, really encourage people that if you are going through a hard situation, whatever it may be, and maybe not even any of the topics that we talked about today, but I I think that that needs to be, you know, at the forefront for you. Who can I turn to? Who can help me? And maybe it isn't somebody in your inner circle. Maybe it's somebody completely outside of that and, and kind of really, you know, putting you on the right path to being able to overcome that in whatever way that looks like. And the one thing I also wanted to say, um, because you made me think of something, is that, you know, I guess for people to know and our listeners who know, you know, my perspective and the reason why this, the whole activity around a podcast is important to me is because I feel like I've waited a really long time to find my voice and to be able to share stories and my life in a way that is going to help other people understand that we all have difficulties, we all rise above them, and we need each other to do that. And in in my way, in Alyssa's way, we, this is this is our way of offering that help and to be able to, and whether it is talking to a friend or talking to a complete stranger, like Alyssa said, you know, being able to find your voice and, and to be able to get the help that you need in a safe way. And sometimes talking to your family and your friends may not be the right way. Sometimes calling a 1-800 number where you don't know anybody and nobody can trace you back might be the best way, the safest way, the first attempt for you to do that. But, you know, we encourage you to do that and to talk to someone. And the more uh, people that you can tell your story to and garner that support is going to give you the courage and the strength to make the, the, the most important steps, you know, to help yourself and to really um, let go of that shame so that you can be proactive. And so, you know, feels like we're still talking heavy stuff. And I and I'm not trying to do that, but I do appreciate our listeners um, and giving us the ability to have these conversations. Sometimes we have life lighthearted conversations. Sometimes we have difficult, emotionally laden conversations. But 
but that's really the value and the purpose of this podcast. I mean, The Deconstructed Woman is not tiptoeing around difficult conversations. I mean, this is a medium for us to share the things that are very close to our hearts and take courage to talk about. And so um, I, I hope you all give us the grace that we need to have these conversations because it is these are important topics. And even if we reach one person who needed to hear this conversation, in my mind, that's worth it. And that's the goal and the purpose of this conversation. So with that, I'm going to sign off for Alyssa, Marie, and myself. And we really hope that you give us some feedback. Please join us on the Facebook um, page on the podcast community and share your thoughts. Um, and hopefully, you know, that will be another vehicle for people to share their opinions and give us ideas and continue this discussion, you know, outside of this podcast. So until next time, we're saying goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Deconstructed Woman. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends rate this episode, or subscribe to be notified of all new content. We want to hear from you, our listener. Do you have thoughts on the discussions we're having? Want to share topic suggestions? Or want to join us for a topic that you're passionate about? Contact us at our email address, thedeconstructedwoman at gmail.com.